this week's episode of Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, we're actually in the Lodestar home office and headquarters with our CEO, Jim Paolino, and our CTO, uh, David Spector, uh, both co-founders, and we're going to do our end of summer, uh, end of season wrap up today. So thank you everyone for joining us and thank you guys for being here. Grand finale of season two. Yeah. Um, so... How do you feel, as our first starting question, how do you feel season two went? Um, specifically of the podcast, great. Yes. Um, mainly thanks to you. <laughs> um, I was out on paternity leave for a good few months of this, so I think this was, you know, we, we had made the joke that we're limping towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're, um, I can safely say that we probably didn't think we'd finish a season two. Um, when we started last January, so I'm really happy about that. Really happy about the guests that we've we've had throughout this year. Um, really happy about kind of how to tweak this going forward. Really happy about our production value, too, that we've increased uh, thanks to John, our, our wonderful editor. Yeah, um, I think that's been going well. And I'll give you, Dave, a little bit easier question to answer. <laughs> um, how do you feel? We sat back at the end of 2021 and kind of said, what's next for the future? How do we feel like the end of the year wrapped up? How do you feel about our progress since we last sat down for uh, our December recording? Um, in terms of as a company, we've slowly progressed forwards. I think as the market for mortgages has kind of contracted in 2022, um, we've seen that affect us all, obviously. But as a company, we've grown and offset lots of that contraction in the market. So um, I'm very happy uh, where we are considering the environment that we're in. Yeah. And how do you feel about being proven wrong uh, regarding the podcast? In what aspect? Just the longevity and the wild success, the fun we're having. The longevity, I'm actually surprised by. I did not think you'd still be doing this. Um, success is a metric I'll leave for you guys to determine. Perfect. Uh, that's a good plug to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, also on Apple Podcasts because it does really help us out and reach key metrics and reach more uh, a wider audience as well. So thank you for that opening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's kind of next for Lodestar in the next six months before we sit down to kind of record our kickoff episode in September? Um, I think we've had a lot of focus really internally over almost the last year of practicing what we preach in a lot of ways of the power of automation, the power of systems, the, the fact that we've been able to grow without adding a dime to any of our operating costs over the last year has been really fantastic. Um, I think Dave and I are really um, feel very strongly about not succumbing to the cyclical nature of this industry um, and a lot of companies go up and down. There's a lot of high profile layoffs and firings going on as we speak right now. I grew up in a family owned company that went from 96 to 16 employees. Um, and we have not done any layoffs throughout this process. And I think that's something that we continue to feel really strongly about. And that's success for us is living in the cyclical industry as a steady business. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, six months from now, um, I expect slow growth yeah. continuation, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, again, like I said previously, you know, we've been moving forwards, and I think that's what we're going to keep doing. We've leveraged so much of what you were saying, the automation, yeah. technology, 
And I think if you want to survive as a company in which you don't need to constantly be laying yeah. off people, you need to have that as like a backbone so that you understand mm-hmm. kind of where you can grow. I think our new vision and mission that we refined probably since we last sat down together of being the experts in closing costs is something that has been really helpful to us because we know that this is what we do. This is what we focus on. It actually hit me on a phone call that we had with a large client of ours where we were going in the weeds of seller paid closing costs, what to do with the owner's policy adjustments. And this company is looking towards us to say, what do people do with this? How do they adapt this? And I was just like, oh, well, we really know what we're doing here. So that's, I think, made it really easy to kind of lean into that mission. And it's made it easy to say no to a bunch of things too, which is really important. Yeah. That's probably also kind of uh, the employees that we've hired. They've had a lot of knowledge in the industry. And we've been hiring lots of um, people that work in the title industry Mm -hmm. or the mortgage industry. So they they know what they're talking about, like from the get-go. There's obviously training and and growth, but um, we have a very strong employee base. Yeah, we were rolling out appraisals at one point, and we realized someone worked for a major AMC for 10 years. Like, great. Shout out to you, Jessica. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We're seeing a lot of this kind of shift towards specialization over uh, kind of doing a little bit of everything, the jack of all trades. Um, And we're seeing less and less of the focus on those end-to-end solutions. How do you think a product like us or even another specialist in the market benefits from focusing on one thing over rather than trying to be everything to everybody? I mean, I think just from the questions we get asked by our clients that come on board and like the uh, customizations or modifications that they want, um, large corporations that have a lot of needs have a very difficult time dealing with that. And that's why they come to us, because they say, right. we can deal with these type of things. And it's not worth it for them to deal with that in many ways, too, because mm-hmm. that's not their core business. That's not what they excel at. And I think any kind of long-term company that I spoke, that I speak with, um, the focus of what they do is so narrow. And I think as we grow now on year nine, um, it's only getting more narrow of what clients we support, what clients we don't support. I like to think that we're better about sniffing out those projects that we know aren't going to be a fit for us and mm-hmm. running away from them uh, pretty quickly. Um, I, I think it also kind of points to the industry that something like us is needed. How, yeah. you know, fragmented it is. You'd think it's supposed to be straightforward. It's closing fees. Everyone should be doing the same stuff, but it's never the same. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Well, it just goes to show you how much people pay for convenience at the end of the day. You can make coffee alone at home. Starbucks is a billion-dollar company. Dunkin' Donuts is a billion-dollar company. Why? Because people don't want to make coffee at home. Yeah. They want to go get it while they're out. They want to you know, have that other place to be. Um, we're, all we're doing is saving people time, yeah. and that's, that's important. No. And I think one of the other major hot topics in the industry right now that we've briefly touched on already is automation, right? Is lenders are looking at how to automate their services, especially amidst layoffs. How do you, how are we internally leveraging automation to build a layoff proof business? I know it's a big question. Um, I would say that anytime a person has to do something multiple times, Dave is really good about saying, hey, how can we make a tool to do this? How can we have a tool to 
answer this question or how can we have clients do things themselves? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too because even though at first it'll seem like you're getting less service when there's just an automated tool, but it eliminates any wait time, mm -hmm. which I think is really important. Yeah. I think it's also kind of about institutional knowledge. Like mm -hmm. frequently, like we were talking about Jessica, she's amazing with appraisals, right? Yeah. But um, if she has to leave the company for whatever reason or anything else could occur, you know, we'd be losing that aspect of her. But right. well, there's only one of her too, right? So yeah. yeah. Just get busier. So what happens is you need to build that institutional knowledge into your system so the Jessica isn't always there, right? Yeah. Is she still very necessary because she can suss out the complicated questions? Yes. Mm -hmm. But if you don't need her for 90% of the time, you just need her for the 10% of the time, that's so much more scalable. Well, it also takes that, ins that institutional knowledge to make the automated tools, and that's yeah. where I think we're at too of like we can use this knowledge to the clients that need the hand-holding, that need that customization, that configurability, we can do that, but we also can use that expertise to make really, really good tools that anyone can use at an affordable price. Yeah, unless if you know what you're trying to solve, yeah. the tools are just going to be funky and, you know, more, more of an effort than to actually get out of it. Yeah. And I think something we're seeing a lot of, and I heard at a conference this year that I definitely stolen, and I don't even remember who said it anymore, um, is automating to elevate your employees, right? Mm -hmm. Is looking at what else they can be doing rather than those mundane tasks yeah. for existence. We're replacing a stare and compare process, right? Mm -hmm. To completely automate it. Um, and I think a lot of people are looking at that because there's so many parts of the mortgage process that are that stare and compare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw somewhere, I think, during the mortgage process, end-to-end, -end, an address is entered 70 times. Yeah. And those types of things are very important, and I mm -hmm. think we're seeing a lot of lenders focus on that um, and seeing that pivot. Now, with the market shifting to purchase, what? how have you seen that impact our business? How are you seeing that impact the market coming from kind of the refi boom of the last couple of years? It's definitely hitting our clients hard. They need to shift what their thought processes in uh, marketing and sales. Um, I mean, they're probably not going to be seeing that many refis for the next five years. I think it depends on the clients. There are a lot of people who didn't get ahead of their skis too much in the refi market knowing it was going to change and they're doing pretty well right now. I think one of the advantages of a business like ours where we can really spread out the types of clients we have, not everyone is adversely affected. We work with a top five home builder. They're doing fine. Um, there's you know, other folks out there that are a little more refi dependent. That's changing. Um, other people have nurtured those purchase market relationships for a while um, and are you know, able to kind of reap the benefits of that. So we're trying just not to get too high or too low at any given point. I think it also impacts what technology they're investing in, mm -hmm. right? The POS systems, I think, are coming more into the yeah. forefront because they really want to reach those uh, borrowers in their buying process. Right, and the value of leads right now. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you seeing this kind of automation pivot um, benefit companies, not only like ours, um, but also companies that are just starting out, that are starting out with a very LO count? I think we're seeing more and more small companies that maybe only have five to seven LOs reach out to us with these huge volume numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Or how do you expect to see that swing? Are we going to see a more automated process with less LOs and less of a human touch? Or do we think it's going to be more of a mixture? 
I would argue that they don't have less of a human touch. They're just kind of very focused on what they're doing. I think companies that do things well, in that case, say, hey, I can get a smaller piece of the pie for a lot more loans. Yeah. Um, and they know that what they can do really well is compete and get to the customer first um, and get them initial interest and then pass it off and let someone service that loan. Right? There's other people who want to be the end-to-end -end solution. They want to own title. They want to do all of those aspects. And I think you're always going to have kind of that, that push and pull. Yeah, it, I think that's a great point. It really depends on what type of business you are. Are you a contact business? Are you trying to speed up the process? Mm -hmm. Some people probably will just keep going out and talking to people because they're very good at selling, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And other people will get a smaller base, Mm -hmm. and grow because they know how to sell more efficiently, not through contact, but through uh, processes. Mm -hmm. Some will work well during other times and some during the other. And it, I think just balance outs at the end, it's kind of to our point of the more diversity that you can have kind of in the, in the business, the, the better it's going to be at the end of the day. Awesome. And then one more hard-hitting question before we go into the softballs. Um, so... In regards to product development, I think it's always a question of, of where we're going next and what our next options are. How do you make informed decisions about creating the next solution for lenders? Oh, man. If, if we knew, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be a lot more successful. Just asking for the ones, right? Um, it, it's so difficult because we've gone down so many roads that we realize just don't work for a broad enough customer base. Or don't work for us in terms of mm -hmm. delivering that, too. Yeah. Feedback from the clients is always important. But like previously said, there's a lot of fragmentation. So something might work for someone and not for someone else. Mm -hmm. um, really understanding probably what the true pain point, not like what the outward, like maybe mm -hmm. final effect is, but what is like inherent to the system that you need to fix is probably the most yeah. important thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also a lot of people... You know, come. I, I see this when people want to start a new business or something. They say, I just need to build an app. I just need to build an app. Like, no, you need to build an idea or you need to build a website or you need a proof of concept, right? And all too often, clients want that kind of app type and solution, whereas you can actually step them towards that a lot more easily, too. Um, mm -hmm. We've had that issue with clients where what they're saying is the problem actually isn't the real problem. And if you take your time and drill that down, you can get an easier solution that one works for them and is also a lot more efficient for you time-wise, which is, is always helpful. Which tends to be more cost-effective yes. if you're not building something completely custom. Mm -hmm. um, and sorry, one more that pops into my head is how have you guys used failures of those products in the past to inform your decision-making in the future, right? Every business has things that don't yeah. work out. So how have you used Covering that? up right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, if you ever see our banner, it's not, it's just covered up at the bottom. It's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. We don't do anymore, right? That's an important failure is so not to try and follow those goose chases anymore. Yeah, it's, it's tough. We were talking about this at lunch. It's important to take a shot and try, and that's the only way you're going to learn what you're good at and what you're bad at. But, um, it's knowing when to kind of pass something on and be like, this isn't our core competency. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Um, and I think that's been the real turning point for us in the last year is really honing in on that 
mission of we do closing costs and that's it and that's the market that we want to dominate and if something is not that we're not going to touch it we can refer you to someone who's going to do a really good job with what you need but it's not something we're going to take on ourselves yeah awesome and then i have a really easy one how are things going with the t-shirt canon i don't know have we moved forwards anywhere i <laughs> I, I'm just throwing it out there. I've had a, so I've had a lot of people listen to the podcast and bring up T-shirt cannon. I think that might be the most popular thing I've heard about the podcast so far. You know, I, I had to, that's why I brought it up here is because I well, know Well, one, it's we don't have thing. T-shirts, so that's a problem. I mean, I can fix the T-shirt problem yeah. pretty easily. I'm not yeah. concerned about that. Yeah. I mean, Dave has a great one on today that we can... Uh, maybe, maybe into season three we can make the T-shirt cannon work. And technically, we probably could fire it in the office, too, without... Really without too much anything. issues. Yeah. So if you're hosting a conference in the next year and you're open to a Lodestar t-shirt cannon at your event, yeah. please reach out to me yeah. uh, and I will we'll make it happen. I will co go to that conference, by the way. Oh, no. I'll be there. That is the I'll only be way. <laughs> you will be operating the t-shirt cannon. It is yeah. the running joke now. And hopefully we saw a hot dog happen. cannon at one point, too. Remember when I sent you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to do hot dogs. No. We're going to do t-shirts. T-shirts yeah. feels better. Yeah. T-shirts feels better. All right. It's probably time. It's probably time. It's probably time. <laughs> Um, other than that, is there anything that you guys want to share with our podcast listeners before we wrap up season three? Uh, my daughter turned two. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. A couple months now. Yeah. So. Yeah. My daughter was born in the middle of season two. So big year in that regard. Um, though that we appreciate the listenership. It's been, it's been great hearing this from the people who listen. Um, you know, I know a lot of friends and family, but even just, you know, other folks in the industry, um, we're always looking for guests. I think we're going to have a really good retooling of this going into season three. We're going to come back bigger, stronger, faster. Um, and we're going to have our summer season too. So we're going to have a lot of fun things to talk about this summer. Uh, my own personal house hunt is going to be a good one of those. I'm too, excited for that. I'm really series. excited. Oh, I have, I have so many thoughts and feelings already going through the process now. Um, the dirty secret that I've never been a homeowner until now, despite working <laughs> in this industry. So it's been fun. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been fun. I appreciate you, Aleda, uh, for all the things that you've done to keep this podcast alive and alive and really the only reason we did it in the first place. So it has your, your fingerprints all over it in a great way. You know, starting yeah. a, abandoning a podcast mid season during the <laughs> pandemic worked out really well for my career. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, please submit feedback for t-shirt cannons because the more we get, the more likely we will actually purchase yeah, one. Or t-shirts or, yeah, donations in the terms of Lodestar clients. Yeah. To... If you sign up for us and specifically ask for a t-shirt cannon, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, so we'll put all setup fees towards t-cut t-shirt can. cannon purchases. M make this little man's dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and before we wrap up, I just want to thank you, thank the entire marketing team that has worked on this yeah. podcast throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, Tim Austin, our marketing content manager, Brian Rieger, our uh, PR guru mm -hmm. is what I'm going to call him, um, and John Gardner, our editor, um, who all do work really hard to make this happen every mm -hmm. week and put it out on the website. And thank you to all of our subscribers as well. And don't worry, we're not going anywhere. No. We'll continue to be talking weekly, and then we'll have our formal season coming up uh, this fall. Yeah, we're very excited, and we'll have 10-minute episodes of 10 to 15-minute episodes of Jim and I um, talking about whatever suits our fancy, along with his house hunt over the summer yeah. that we'll be diving into. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.